Chapter twenty nine of The Boy Chums in the Florida Jungle by Wilmer M. Eli. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. Chapter twenty nine The Seminole Lad. The two lads next visited the hospital tent, where they found the fever patients much improved, but the three machine men suffering greatly from their burns, while Bob Bratton and the wounded Spaniards were resting as comfortably as could be expected. The boys did all they could to make the sufferers comfortable, then sauntered out for a look at the burned jungle. Here they met with a scene of utter desolation. Many trees and stumps were still burning, but the larger part of the jungle had been swept clean. The shallow pools of water had been dried up by the intense heat, leaving exposed an expanse of black mud fissured by cracks. Of the former multitude of snakes that had infested the place, they saw not one. Returning from the destroyed jungle, the lads searched over the scene of battle of the night before. They found blood on the ground in several places, indicating that all their bullets had not been wasted. Before entering the tent, Charlie paused and took a last look around. Several Spaniards, under the captain's direction, were throwing up a solid breastwork close to and surrounding the camp. The machine was working steadily, and the slow-moving ox-carts were crawling back from the distant timber with their loads of wood. The Indian camp had been outside of the fighting zone the night before. With a sigh, the wounded lad entered his tent and, throwing himself on his cot, gave way to his despair. Try as he might, he could see nothing but ruin for himself and companions. There was little hope of getting another crew for the machine. The departing Spaniards would carry the story of their disasters in with them, and it would be impossible to induce others to come out. A Negro crew might be secured, but it would take time, and the lad knew the colored race well enough to know that they would not stick in the face of danger. Crew's wages would take almost the last dollar they had in the bank, and if the county insisted, as he feared it would, on their rebuilding of the destroyed bridges, the reward for the convicts, the money they had found in the old fort, and what was due on the digging they had already done, would be swept away to the last cent. In no direction could he see any hope. In spite of all his efforts and careful planning, their mysterious enemy had triumphed, and he and his companions were ruined. He did not blame the Spaniards for quitting. The work was hard enough and dangerous enough to bear, without the added risk of being shot in the dark. At last, worn out by his gloomy reflections, the lad fell into a fitful slumber, from which he was awakened by Walter, who was pale of face and excited. "'What's the matter?' Charlie demanded, as he sat up on the edge of the cot. "'You look as though you had seen a ghost.' "'I hate to tell you,' faltered his chum, but I knew you would have to hear about it, so I ran ahead to break the news to you myself. Out with it, Charlie said. I'm strong enough to bear anything now. You know the Indian lad that drives one of the wagon teams the boy Willie John is so proud of? They just found him dead on his load of wood, shot through the heart. Fiends! 
said Charlie. To shoot a poor, innocent, harmless child? They shall pay for it. Pay for it dearly. He threw aside the tent flap and strode out, Walter by his side, babbling over the details of the tragedy. You ought to have seen Willie John's face when he found him, he said. It was like a demon's for a minute. Then it became like stone. Charlie made his way out to the Indian camp, where the Spaniards and the Americans were already gathered. The squaws were breaking up camp, while Willie John sat in one of the wagons, holding the dead lad in his arms. Willie John, Willie John, said Charlie, brokenly. We never thought anything like this would happen. We never dreamed those fiends would fire on you or the lad. Me understand said the Seminole without emotion. You know to blame. Bad pale faces in wood did it. We will see that they are punished for it, Willie John, Charlie promised, with tears in his eyes. We will do all in our power to bring them to justice. Me understand, said the Seminole, and added simply as he gazed down at the lad in his arms, him was good boy, him no smoke, no drink, Wyoming. Him say every little bit of money he get, so by and by him go to school, all the same as pale-faced boy. Him was very good boy. The boys watched the lumbering, slow-moving wagons out of sight with unashamed tears in their eyes. Then... Charlie turned to the machine men. Rake out your fire and make everything snug on the machine, he said quietly. There will be no more work, for there will be no more wood. When the machine men, their task done, had gathered with the others at the camp, the lad addressed them again. You have all seen what has happened today, he said quietly. A bright, innocent, harmless child, murdered simply because he was working for us. We hardly deserve the name of human if we do nothing to avenge his death. It is getting too near night to do anything today. But I am going to call for volunteers to go with me tomorrow morning to either capture his murderers or wipe them out of existence. Who will go with me? His chums and the two engineers stepped promptly to his side, and the Spaniards followed one by one. Good, said the lad with a sad smile. We will start at daylight. There was no singing or laughter in the camp that night, for each man carried to his tent with him the reflection that the morrow might see him as dead as the Indian child they were going to avenge. There were plenty of men to act as guards for the night, now that the machine was not working, so Charlie retired early to his tent and soon fell asleep. At daybreak, the guards awoke him and his companions, as they had been ordered to do, and reported that the night had passed off without alarms. Chris soon had breakfast ready, and over cups of strong steaming coffee, their plans for the expedition were made. When the sun arose, ten Spaniards and seven Americans, armed with guns and pistols, filed out of the little camp 
and silently tramped away for where a distant smudge of smoke showed the location of the gunman's campfire only enough more remained behind to guard the camp the little party of avengers advanced with caution they marched in a twisting line so as to always keep a hummock or a bunch of spruces between them and the distant camp smoke so that their approach would not be noticed as they slowly drew nearer double caution was observed but at last they came upon an open stretch of prairie which they must cross to reach the thicket in which the gunman's camp was located here is where they take the alarm commented charlie as they emerged out upon the open prairie but the little party crossed the open stretch without any sign of life from the gunman they have either moved or are sound asleep he said get your guns ready don't fire unless i give the word follow me and make as little noise as you can the little party filed into the thicket the chums and engineers in the lead and the spaniards following close behind at the edge of the cleared camping place the little party halted in horrified amazement they had come to avenge the killing of the indian lad but another avenger had come before them sprawled upon the ground in all manner of attitudes lay eighteen men all dead lord breathed mccarty softly who could have done it there is only one answer to that question said charlie gravely those whose right it was to do it if the taking of human life is ever right look at those heads the others shuddered with horror as they gazed upon the reddened skulls from which the scalp locks had been skillfully removed aside from that nothing had been touched guns still lay where they had fallen and tents and supplies were undisturbed the seminoles exclaimed walter and his chum nodded assent two men were sent back to the camp for shovels and when they returned graves were dug in the sandy soil and the dead men laid to rest a search of their clothing and belongings gave little clue to the strange men's identity but from the quantity of tablets and powders found upon them and their dissipated appearance the boys decided that they were members of that deadly drug-crazed band of new york gunmen their sickening task finished the little party headed back for camp i am glad after all that it is not by our hands that they fell charlie said to his chums as they tramped along to take life even in the heat of passion is a terrible thing ay ay lad said captain westfield reverently the good book truly says vengeance is mine saith the lord the little party arrived back in camp by noon much to their surprise they found willie john back again with his wagons busily engaged in making camp me come back haul more wood explained the seminole simply during dinner there was great chattering and whispering at the spaniard's table and after the meal was over bossy always their spokesman approached charlie spanish hombres men no want to quit now he said in his quaint english 
they like ye boss they like ye grub like ye job they no be shot at nights any more they want to stand job now they think it much more better all right bossy replied the lad listlessly we can only work half time now until the mules come and i can go in and get the electric light i will be glad when this job is over he told walter the violence trouble and bloodshed have destroyed all my interest in the work the gunmen will bother us no more but i am wondering already where the enemy will strike next the gunmen were only tools cheer up said his chum with an attempt at cheerfulness the darkest hour is always just before the dawn End of chapter 29